You're a reseller. What's up, guys? It is your girl, Sarah from Sarah Styles here. I am here with Nick from NCI Resell. Thank you so much for joining. Real quick before we um, talk with him, I wanted to let you know that I am doing an amazing giveaway with 12 other, well, 11 other resellers on Instagram, and it ends on Thursday. I don't even know what day it is. So on in two days, it ends. Um, so head on over there. And I'm going to do a shameless self-promotion real quick because I am 500 away from 10,000 followers on Instagram and I want that swipe up. <laughs> so if you are not following me on Instagram after this video, head on over, uh, enter for the giveaway. It's an amazing giveaway, but then also make sure to follow me so I can get that swipe up feature. Do you have the swipe up, Nick? You do. I right? do. I do. And I mean, I'm going to take this moment for shameless self-promotion too, because I'm for 400 sure. away from 20,000 followers. Oh and so, yes. So after you follow her on, wait, after, after you follow her on Instagram, <laughs> You have to follow me on Instagram. Yeah, and it, name. yes, and so that is your Instagram name as well. Um, welcome yes, everybody. So I'm all about shameless self-promotion. So whatever else you want to shamelessly self-promote on here, feel free to do it. Those in the okay. comments as well. Um, so welcome, Michelle. We'll wait a few minutes for everyone to pop on. But if you want to tell us a little bit, we're going to, I'm going to drill you today. Um, okay. But if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from, just a little bit about yourself, how you got into reselling. Yeah, for sure. So if you guys don't know me, my name is Nick. Uh, on Instagram, I'm at NCI Resale. That is my Poshmark closet as well. And then on YouTube, I go by Nick Waskowski, which is my full name. But if you type in at NCI Resale, I put that in the title of all my videos. So it'll come up anyway, because uh, that's Mark. easier than spelling my last name with a bajillion letters. Um, What's the uh, heritage of your last name? It's very I'm Polish. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, I couldn't. I there's no way I could have said that if I read it. <laughs> I, I always tell people it's like Mike Wazowski from Monsters Inc., um, okay. but just add a K. Um, but anyway, I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm born and raised here. I'm 19, so I'm a youngin. Uh, I have been reselling for well, I've been reselling in a way since I was like 11. But I've been like actually reselling as the way that we would all think of like reselling things since I was 15. So wait, so five years. tell us, yeah, tell us the difference. What do you mean between 11? Okay, and it's a long story, and so we have time. shameless self promotion. <laughs> if you want the full story, I have a video on my YouTube channel. But um, there you go. I, yeah, we'll do well, the cliff notes to entice them to yes, go. Cliff, yeah. So when I was like younger, uh, we would always go to garage sales and I would always, and then uh, my parents would take me to like Plato's closets and whatever to shop. And so like, there was this like Venn diagram in my brain as an 11 year old, like I see things here that I also see here. And so I would then force my parents to drive me to garage sales so I could buy things at garage sales and then bring them to Plato's closets. And I was making like a hundred bucks a month as an 11 year old doing that, which is a lot of money when you're like 11. Yeah, um, that's resell. I mean, that's legit reselling. A lot of resellers do that anyway. Well, like, I mean, I still do that now. But, yeah, right. A um, lot of people will go to the bins and buy stuff specifically to sell to those places. So yeah. you started as at a, as an 11 year old. Yep. That's, yeah, that's wild. So eight years doing this officially. So why do you say official at 15? Because that's when I started selling on Poshmark. Okay, that's what I was saying. It was summer of 2015, so I was actually 14. Um, because my birthday's in November, but uh, yeah, so I started on Poshmark in 2015, and I have sold 5,000 things since. So that is just wow. So, is this like your only job that you've had? Like, 
you didn't have like a high school job. You didn't have an awful high school job like the rest of us. No, this is what I did like as my job. My, yeah. I mean, it's still what I do as my job. It's just in a bigger capacity than what I used to do as my job. But yes, I'm it is. so jealous because you get a, like I wish that they had that when I was your age because you get to like make your hours and work. And I don't know. I mean, with COVID happening now, well, you're not in school anymore, but with COVID happening, like if you were in sports and stuff, it was always hard to have a job and manage high school. And I wish that they had that. So that is amazing for you. Good um, for you. So you're on Poshmark. Are you on other platforms as well? Or so Poshmark? Poshmark is definitely my main platform that I sell on. I also sell it. I have an eBay store. And then I also do a lot of sales through my Instagram. Um, I would say about a quarter of my business is through my Instagram page um so and then a little bit about that how do you do that i'm always enticed in how you actually get sales that way yeah so you know it's not like the conventional i make a listing and i sell it but i've kind of built my brand on my instagram and you know i love doing instagram and i've made some really great friends in real life doing instagram but at the end of the day my instagram is an extension of my business and so everything i do on my instagram is part of my business and representation of my business. And so I do, I've created, it's almost like a series, but it's not really a series of every time I go thrifting, I do something I call a haul o'clock on my stories. Yeah. And it's become something that people like look forward to and they like message me and they're like, when's the next haul o'clock coming? And it's a really good opportunity because I go through everything I bought and kind of explain why I bought it and what it is. And I always say, if you want something, swipe up and we'll work out a price and I'll send you a PayPal oh, invoice. Swipe up. I'm going to have it. <laughs> Almost there. It's well, no, so not swipe nice. up in that way. Like swipe up oh. as in like send me a DM. Um, oh, yeah, I'm not cool enough to know. So swipe up also means send me a DM? Well, I, I mean, if you do the swipe up motion on somebody's Instagram story, it gives you like the message bar to where you could uh. say like, how much do you want for this? Um, but I always said, like, I would say on average, I sell 50% of what I do in hauls on, on Instagram, on Instagram, 40 to 50%. Um, so I give, even like straight from the thrift store, you have to do yeah. absolutely nothing. You are just sending it straight. That's amazing. Um, and I give people good deals because of course I don't have to do anything other than lay it out and do all the Instagram stuff. Um, and I, people are usually very really happy with what they can find because they feel like they're getting like a good a good deal and they're getting it before everybody else has had an opportunity to get it um but yeah i in recent months i've been doing about a quarter of my total sales if not more on instagram which has been really cool and kind of a really cool expansion for my business do you so do you like invoice through paypal because i'm always nervous on instagram you don't have the backing, like they don't like it or they're like a return, you know what I mean? And so do you do it through PayPal or how do you secure yourself? I, so I used to do it, okay. I used to be really messy before I was actually doing it like good. I would like, if if, if somebody wanted to send me money via carrier pigeon, like I would have taken it. Um, but I have since, uh, especially since the beginning of this year, um, really streamlined the process that I do it. I how i so if somebody's interested they reach out we work out a price they were like pretend it's like a shirt that somebody's buying for 35 dollars, and we agree on 35 dollars. and so i say all right uh send me your pay a paypal email address so i can send you an invoice um and then i have a paypal business account which is super easy to set up um and it's in my business name i have a personal one too 
but I have my PayPal business account, which allows me to then send them an invoice and the invoice pops up in their email, just like anything else. And it says pay here and you click the pay here button. And then you, if you have a PayPal account, it automatically generates your information from your PayPal account. Otherwise you can pay I think you can pay an invoice without a PayPal account. It'll just go to your email. Yeah, um, I think so. Cause I've gotten one when they sent it to the wrong email. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Send it to my right email and then I'll pay it. But I, yeah, you'll get it in your email. Yeah. It's wrong. And then once they pay it, PayPal auto generates all of their information. And so all I have to do is click print shipping label and I put in the vast majority of things I can ship first class. So I only do, I just put in the weight and then it calculates the shipping cost or if it's priority, you have to do the weight, the dimensions of the box. And then I just pay it with my PayPal balance and then I get the shipping label and I print it off and slap it on the thing like anything else. Um, and it's pretty easy process and it's really nice. And it's been a really great way to expand my business. Are you f finding that it is less time? Can, Cause it, that is like an additional, like, I feel like people are like, Oh, Instagram is so quick and easy, but that is also a very, like, that's a process that you have to do and you have to send an invoice and then do your own shipping label, um, where Poshmark kind of does some of that stuff for you. Are you finding that it's easier? You're making more money doing it, or it's just a different way to get sales. It's just a different way to make sales. I would say, I mean, it's it's faster in the way that I don't have to, me I don't have to take pictures of the items. I don't have to measure the items. I don't have to steam the items. I don't have to list the items. I don't have to inventory the items um, because this is before I do all of that stuff. And so I'm saving time that way. And what I described to you sounds like a really long process, but really it's not bad. Well, and once you, yeah, once you get and in the- It's just like anything, once you get, used to doing it you can do it faster just like anything in life um yeah it's not bad at so all i do want to mention if you guys are just hopping on he knows what he's doing and he's 19 years old you know more than like a lot of resellers that i know you are like on it i i mean i'm very impressed you make me feel very old but i am very impressed um you're only 19 years old and you have it together um you're not just like lollygagging around over here you're actually writing it you know you have a business account right and you're doing it um as a legit thing so um let's talk a little bit about that as well you're on poshmark and you said poshmark is your preferred why is poshmark your preferred I have done the vast majority of my sales in my reselling career on Poshmark. Um, and it's just my preference, I guess. I find it easiest to list there. And I find that my inventory and my like taste and style does better there than eBay. I mean, I perfectly, like, I recognize that there are things that sell better on one or the other, but I'm a firm believer that if you list it someplace, it'll eventually sell. Mm -hmm. um, there's somebody that's going to buy everything. And so I guess Poshmark has just been where I have found the most success over time. And it's definitely been maybe, I mean, not maybe, it's definitely been where I've devoted the most of my effort and resources in building um, a brand and a store um, and a following. And so I think that has contributed to it as well. Yeah. And that's definitely what Posh is, right? Like it's much, I mean, it's like an Instagram kind of like very social. And if you can build all of that in there, what, so, I mean, you said your brand and certain types of things sell better on Posh. So what does your closet, like what kind of things are you selling and what does your closet kind of look like? So I would definitely say I'm half, like there are people who are like self-proclaimed, like I have a curated closet and I only buy things that fit my curated closet. That's not me. 
But I'm also not the person that's going to put everything in the kitchen sink in my Poshmark closet. I would I would say I'm like somewhere in between because I I definitely stock a lot of stuff that I personally like in my closet and I like to maintain a very clean aesthetic with my closet. Um my closet like everything like all of my pictures fit together and I have like a very streamlined photo setup um that has the exact same background and the exact same hangers and all of the pictures because I'm just I guess crazy but I like having it clean and organized. I do the same thing. Um, yeah. And so even if um, even if the items don't necessarily aesthetically all fit together, the aesthetics of like the actual closet fits together. And I think that it makes for a more pleasant shopping experience um, as well as I have a lot of, I guess I would describe my closet as like a lot of cool, like modern style vintage pieces. And then a lot of modern, modern pieces um, together because that's what I like to wear in my personal closet. And so I like to carry that over to my Poshmark closet. And so that is kind of, I like to stock things that people can bundle together. I sell a lot of bundles um, in my closet. And so that combination of like higher priced modern pieces and then not necessarily lower price, but affordable pieces um, has been a really successful combination kind of for me in my business. Do you do men's and women's? Yes. Okay. Um, are you, have you tried Depop? Because your Instagram, I haven't looked at your closet. I haven't stalked you that in depth, but I do know you're on Instagram and I see a lot of the stuff that you have um, in your style. It seems very like Depop-ish to me. Have you tried Depop or had any luck? I have a interesting relationship. With, I used to sell on Depop. I'd love to hear it. It's definitely, Depop's a whole different world. <laughs> it's like, like people think of Poshmark and eBay as different worlds. If Poshmark and eBay are different worlds, um, Depop's a different galaxy. Because every, and like it ha every, they have their own lingo. They have their own way of taking pictures. And if you don't take pictures in a certain way on Depop, then you won't be successful. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to be very in tune with like a certain group and a certain style that performs well on Depop. Because it's definitely that like, 90s and y2k crowd of people who are like my age like i have friends so i have friends who like are in my college major with me and are like or i've known i've grown up with that shop depop religiously yeah it seems very much it's and like a cult yeah yes i can see that and it's um, not your cult it's just not my thing and it's you have to devote time and effort to it in a very intentional way just like you would have to with Poshmark or eBay you have to be very intentional with what you're posting on Depop how you're interacting um with people on Depop because Depop like Poshmark is also fairly social mm -hmm. um and building your network and community um and I know people who aren't if you go out and search you can find the Depop community on social media and they're very much so removed from the rest of the reseller community um it's a yeah. yeah i see yeah i get what you i see where you're going um and that's probably why i'm not very successful because i don't know the lingo i put some stuff on there i don't know the lingo and i'm for sure not hip enough 
<laughs> I'm far removed from that generation. Um, so I put some of my vintage stuff that people are like, oh, it'll sell well. And it probably would if I got into it. And I think you have a very valid point too, that you have to put the time and effort into each platform. Um, and it's something that I'm seeing a lot with now. We have all of these cross-listing platform or cross-listing softwares where you can put it everywhere, which is great, but each platform needs its own specific massaging um, to get sales on it. And so I, and everyone has their own strategy, but I am very much like one or two, maybe three different platforms to really do well on instead of all of the places. And it sounds like that's kind of more your strategy as well, Posh being your main gig with a couple on the side. Yes, for sure. And I mean, I, for a long time, I didn't cross list at all. I only focused on Poshmark because I only have so much time in my life. And and being successful on multiple platforms, you have to put time and effort into every one of your platforms. Because like, people like to think of like eBay as like a sit it, like let it sit and let it go. But really, you have to appease eBay's algorithm is something else. And you have to appease the algorithm gods to be able to sell anything on eBay, whether that's listing, like, I'm not huge on eBay, I have a simple store and I list I cross post two things a day to eBay, but it's about that consistency of doing something similar. And so eBay's algorithm somehow knows like this NCI resale is, is listing two things a day on my platform and promoting X amount of things a day on my platform and going in and editing this many things or sending offers to watchers on this many things. Yeah. While as Poshmark doesn't have that algorithm per se, but you have to spend time sharing your closet. You have to spend time listing new stuff because I mean the idea that you know you list more things you sell more things um, and so on and so forth and so I think for a long time I was afraid of you know I was having commitment commitment issues with with my reselling for that <laughs> but also um just time in general yeah uh, being in school and I mean I still even have that because I a college student and I have to budget my time wisely. Yeah. So you mentioned college and I wrote that down. I wanted to ask a little bit about, um, so are you a full-time student right now? And what are you majoring? Like, what are you going to school for? Yeah. So I am. A, I, so this is why I always like give the introduction to like my videos or like on my Instagram, I always call myself a full-time-ish reseller because this is my full-time, like my full-time income, like my job. But during the year, I am a full-time college student. Um, I go to the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis um, and my major is retail merchandising. And so I'm going to school to be a buyer basically. Yeah. Um, are you gonna kill it? <laughs> you already, I mean, you already are a buyer. Like you'll be buyers other places eventually too, maybe, but like you know your stuff um, and it's very impressive. Um, were you guys, so do, are you going back in the fall or is it remote or do they it's, know? It's complicated, but right now. <laughs> That's so, life right now. Sure. So the university itself will like the campus will be open, but all of the classes that I registered for got moved online. And so like, I'll be able to like, like, so for the spring, like you couldn't even go to the campus or like none of the building, you could go to the campus, but none of the buildings on the campus would be open. And so now, and like everybody, everybody who lived in like on campus housing or like housing owned by the university had to leave, but everybody else signed leases to apartments and like rental houses. And so most of those people stayed down there anyway, they just couldn't do anything at the university. 
but the fall, like all of the university housing will be open and like the common spaces and whatever will be open, but any class over 50 people that they couldn't find a big enough space for, um, excuse me, they decided to close and or put online. And so most of my classes, um, all but one are over 50 online. people. No, yeah, they were over 50 people like classes in like registered for the class. And so they got moved online. I went to a state school. It's a university now. The year after I graduated, it turned to a university. So I didn't get a university diploma, but I went to a state school and I got a degree in mathematics, which like nobody does. And so my classes were like 15 kids. <laughs> so like 50 people just sounds like. Yeah, well, I go to. So my school is the eighth biggest school in the country. Yeah, right. Um, it's a big 10. But it, my major, so the cool thing about my major is that it's a selective major. So there's only 50 people per year, per class that are in my major. So there's 200 people total. Um, and so that, so like, it's really cool because I've made connections and like networked with a lot of people. And mm -hmm. I know almost everybody who is in my major. And I know a lot of people who are not my year, but are in my major. And so that is going to be a really like, advantageous thing once I graduate because now I'm going to have this tight-knit group of people that I can. Right. Especially if you know the people above you who are already out in the workforce and yeah. Yeah. Smart kiddo. Um, all right. So back to reselling, <laughs> but I think a lot of your college stuff will help um, with your reselling as well. Um, let's see. I've made a list and we've kind of reared off. Sorry. So my, my, my specialty is tangents. No, no, no. I love it. And that's why, I mean, I have a list to kind of keep me not going on tangents because I, we would have just talked about college for 20 minutes <laughs> if I didn't like bring it back. And that's what this channel is about. Um, as much as I would love it. Girly Girl Style said her first major was fashion merchandising, which is, I believe it. I don't know if you know Tori um, and Bill, but yeah. Um, all right. So how do you primarily source? We were talking about this a little bit um, before we went live. Um, so feel free to share that again because it, it was a great conversation. Yeah. Um, things are shut down in Minnesota still or not. And how were you sourcing during COVID if you were? And then how are you? What are you doing right now? Okay. So where I live in Minneapolis, things are mostly opened up, but with restrictions. Most All of our good, well, most everywhere requires you to have a mask when you go in. Uh, our state doesn't have like a mask mandate, but the majority of people wear masks or at least where I live in the city um, or in the suburbs around the city. And like most people wear masks going into places because most, even if there's not a requirement, most people wear them going into, or they're required going into most businesses because um, the businesses were like, we're not opening if you're not going to do this. And so it's just kind of the trade off. Um, but all of the Goodwills do require masks and whatever, but all of our Goodwills are back open and then the outlets are back open as well. I am a combo, sh I shop at both the regular stores and the outlets. Um, I mean, I'm a bins person at heart, but sometimes you just, I have a couple regular Goodwills that I can't not go to. And so I'm lucky enough to have three bins locations in my city around my city and so I kind of bounce between the three I have one 10 minutes away and then two that are like half an hour away from where I live um do you find different bins have like better stuff because I'm similar I have a bins that's 10 minutes away and then I have two others that I've actually never gone to because I don't want to waste time traveling um but do you find that like the bins have different inventory or you just like to mix it up it, so right now the bins that is closest to my house is only running hard goods and mm -hmm. so I haven't gone there, which is annoying, 
but um, I haven't gone to that one because I don't need new silverware or a wreath or like somebody's potty training seat. Like, so I take uh, it you do not sell hard goods. No, I mean very, (laughs) very little. But no, not my thing. Um, Kudos to the people who do. That is not my beast that I want to tame. Yeah, Um, I'm the same way. There's so much to learn, and I don't want to ship. Like Poshmark, it's a little easier because as long as it fits. The shipping's you know, fine, but box. yeah. I, but on eBay, I'm like, I don't want to figure any of that out. <laughs> yeah, but I have been going. So there's two other bins that have been running soft lines, which I, is what I'm interested in going in. I don't find that there's really a difference between any of them. If anything, the difference is the people that go to the different bins, mm. like normally. And we were chatting about this before, is that right now our bins have regulations just like I think everybody's do where you go in and they have a capacity. And so if there's X amount of people in the bins already, they have that many carts. And so you have to wait for a cart to be able to go in and you have to wait in line. Um, I haven't gone, I've gone to the bins three times since they've reopened. Two of the times there was no line. And then this last time I went yesterday and there was a three person line. And so I waited literally like 10 minutes. Oh, that's um, not bad. Our lines, I haven't been yet. I'm in Colorado for those who just joined um, or don't know me, but I'm in Colorado and we have a lot of resellers here and I haven't been to the binge yet, but I've heard it's like hours waiting. And I'm like, well, I don't want to wait for hours to shop. <laughs> that's usually all the time I have. Like, so Yeah, that's no, that's, that's crazy. I mean, there are quite a few resellers in the Twin Cities um, yeah, where I live. Yeah. Um, but I guess maybe because there's the yeah i don't know all three of our bins are big and so i i think i don't know what the capacity is but i'm assuming it's around 100 people um but i don't quote me on that i'm not the fire you marshal probably go, <laughs> you probably go like non-busy times like middle of the day or something right like i'm going in the evenings or on the weekends when probably a lot of other people would be as well i would say where i live it's the busiest right when it opens, like from eight to noon, because ours open at eight. Um, actually, I think they might be opening at, opening at nine right now. Uh, but like nine to noon is when it's like the busiest. And then I usually end up going at like one in the afternoon. And by then a lot of people have left. Um, and then the, and they stop bringing out new bins at three um, where I live. And so after 3 p.m., like everybody leaves. And so you have like the whole place to yourself. But and so that's when I would always go, um, like during when non Corona times, yes. I would always go in the afternoons because I would go through the bins where nobody was there. And so that's why I don't mind the new reg. Okay. Sorry. Tangent over regulations. <laughs> Line, right. There's a certain number of people, one person per bin and you have to follow a maze. So they have arrows. Sorry. I opposite. There's arrows on the, on the floor and so you have to follow them and so it'll be like one bin and then you're a row with bins on either side and so you like zigzag like a pinball down that one and then zigzag like a pinball back oh so it's not just um, like the straight rows of bins like it, it no me. so no. that you have to stay away that makes sense okay yeah and so it's it's like a big s and then it takes you so you're going like through the space through the space and then around the perimeter of the entire space and then you have to check out or if there's nobody waiting you can go through again um, but if there's somebody waiting to get in, you have to check out with your cart and then go. I don't know if you can hear my dog barking in the back. I'm sorry yeah. about that. It's fine. 
<laughs> I had a I had like a ticky noise on my live yesterday. So at least we don't have to listen to that today. That's interesting because ours, I haven't been in, I haven't talked to people in a couple of weeks. So they may have changed it, but ours is like a limit. It's a two hour limit. Um, and so this, you could take your time and go through slowly, or you could go back in. Ours is like two hours and you have to go way back in line for an hour or two, regardless of what you got. So that's interesting. Yeah. And so, and they weren't, being put and maybe it was because it was there was there wasn't a huge line or it wasn't super busy but there you could like if they were going to bring out a new bin and you knew that you could just park yourself there and wait and people could go around you or they can wait behind you but you could just sit there and wait for the new bin to come out and if you're the one that's there you get to go through that bin first and nobody else can go through it and so that's why i found a bunch of good stuff because i had a bin of raw soft lines come out in front of me. And what I mean by raw soft lines is that it was straight from donations, never gone through. Um, mm -hmm. So everything's still like folded and in the bags and whatever. And so that just came out in front of me and I got to look through that bins. And I told Sarah this while we were in the waiting room beforehand, but like I got two pairs of brand new Allbird sneakers, like brand, like with like tags and the cardboard insert, inserts. And I got a bunch of Adidas original stuff and a, some designer denim and some designer not denim and yeah, it was, I probably got an Ikea bag full of stuff from that bin alone. Uh, those are my favorite bins. We get a lot of those here. I'm not Very rarely do you see stuff that didn't sell at the real store um, come to the bins. It's mostly, I didn't know that was what it was called, Ross. Um, but those are my favorite because then you can tell like, it's one, like, that bag you're like i want everything that's in that bag because that was a rich lady <laughs> like and i want the yeah. bag next to it too right because that's her husband yeah and and for the most part when i find good stuff it's like not the only good stuff it's like there's more in the bin and also i find it like i'm a different breed of resellers than a lot of resellers around here because the twin cities has a huge vintage like population of resellers and so there's a lot of like there's a really famous vintage like streetwear store here. It's called Urban Jungle. It has a huge following. It has like a million Instagram followers. But mm -hmm. um, so the, and they have their like little minions running around searching for all like the vintage t-shirts and I couldn't care less about that. Uh, and so then I go to like dug through bins and like yesterday I found an Eskandar cashmere sweater that retailed for $1,700 in the bottom of a bin that had been picked through by like nine people. And so I can't complain. Um, I think that's a valid and I, it depends on COVID is right now crazy right now. But people always ask, like, what's a bin strategy? What should I do? And don't dismiss bins that have already been looked through because they're not they may not have the knowledge that you have. They may be looking for different things. I love vintage, um, although it's not selling great right now. Um, people aren't really going places. Right. So they don't really need to look. Yeah, I sell a lot of vintage dresses. Well, I don't. I did. <laughs> um, yeah, you used to sell a lot of vintage dresses, but not yeah, at the moment. My, my dresses are city. No, you I'm personally not. have a very nice collection of vintage dresses. I do, all nice and organized in bins, just waiting for the seller. So you heard it here first, folks. If you need a vintage dress, wait, wrong way. <laughs> yeah. I'm your girl. Um, but well, so now I don't know. Oh, so vintage. A lot of the people here. So I we get a lot of um, like immigrants or people from Mexico that just buy like mall type brands and send it back to Mexico. And so they could care less about vintage and they don't usually know a lot of the higher end stuff. Um, and so like, they'll like grab stuff really quickly. I'm like, I care less about that. And then I grab stuff. Um, so you can't, don't dismiss them. If you're going to the bins for the first time, don't dismiss a bin that's already been gone through um, because it's definitely, you can always find. And especially down at the bottom, people don't always dig to the very bottom. 
So you prefer the bins over the thrift stores? Yeah. Yeah. Um, why? I could probably Cheaper. get it. Yeah. <laughs> Cheaper and it's like, it feels more like a treasure hunt. And I'm a lot less picky about what I buy at the bins than I would I buy at like a regular Goodwill as you could probably figure out. Um, and another, okay, so another big part of my business is selling stuff at an, like an actual consignment store, like, a, like a in the building consignment store. And the particular one that I go to uh, is like a true consignment store. So you get paid after stuff sells. And I bring about a hundred pieces of clothing a week there. Um, that I get at the bins and everything I make at this consignment store is 100% profit because I make all the money back that I spend at the bins on stuff that I sell online. And so it's kind of nice because I feel like I'm rescuing clothes that would otherwise get discarded because it's a lot of stuff that people like resellers aren't really looking for like mall brands like Ann Taylor and Loft and Banana Republic and then like all the coal, like the nicer new coal stuff and the nicer new Target stuff, I buy all of that and bring it to the consignment store because it does really, really well for me and I get 50% of what it sells for. Um, but I, it, it's funny because I paid for my entire semester of college with what I made at the consignment store. That is amazing. I am so jealous of you. I hate my student loans. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. And it's good that you're able to put it towards your college and not um, just wildly spend it on ridiculous things that you're actually smart enough to not have student loan debt. It's awful. So good for you. Um, I, and I think a lot of people, we were talking about this a little bit before the chat. If I had the time, I think I would probably do it. I don't have time to out also take things to consignment store, maybe when the kids are all in school. But I know a lot of people that do that. They'll go to the bins and the stuff that they're like, well, I'm not going to sell this, you know, coal shirt. I'm not going to take the time, but I will go take it to these other stores and I'll make my money back from the bin. So whatever I sell, reselling is all profit, right? Yeah. It's a smart, it's a smart um, idea when I have time, maybe I'll add that to mine as well. I'm the picky one that's like, and this is what, so you mentioned too, like you're not as picky at the bins. And I think that's why, that's why you like it. That's why I don't like it because then I get home and I have all of this stuff and I'm like, well, I don't want to list all this now. It was exciting at the bins, but now I like have to list it. Right. No, I understand that too. And I mean, and it's funny because I don't, well, I sell, like, if things have minor flaws, I'll just buy them and I'll list it as is. But I don't buy things to fix them. I just yeah. don't. I, I, if it has a stain or if it needs to be mended or if it has a button, uh, somebody else can deal with that. I don't buy it. Whereas a lot of people will pick that stuff up at the bins. And I just, I know myself and I won't do anything. So I'm picky in that regard. Uh, but I will buy lower end stuff if it's cute, like new and in style uh, that nobody else is going to buy. Um, and like I said, I take it to the consignment store like nine times out of 10. Yeah, no, that's smart. Especially the bins. What are the bins prices in Minnesota? It's interesting to me that they're all different. So where I live, it's, it used, okay. They changed it a year ago, which was dumb, but it used to be, if you bought over 25 pounds, it was 99 cents a pound. Um, and easily they, pounds. <laughs> what? I could, yeah, I always get 25. Like, I'll just, I always get it's more expensive if you get, so it's like up to $10, it's $1.69 a pound or $10. Up to 10 pounds, it's $1.69 a pound. 10 to 25, it's $1.49 a pound. And then over 25, it's $1.19 a pound. Okay, that's not bad. And you're probably, I mean, I would probably usually get the higher. And that makes sense because they want to get product moving, right? 
Um, so they're trying to get people to come in and out. All right. So how do you decide? We were talking a little bit about, you know, what you're deciding to take and stuff. How do you decide and how you've been doing this forever? So that's probably how you know a lot of your brands. But for people who are new at this, um, how do you kind of decide you're sitting there at a bin and you pick something up? How do you decide if it's something that you're going to resell? Um, and how did you learn, you know, brands and stuff? Or, I mean, I feel like there's so many brands that were constantly still learning them. So I would describe myself more as a style seller than a brand seller. Um, if I think something is in style and trendy, and I guess this is where I'm, I one of the things I'm passionate about is like fashion and fashion trends and trend forecasting. And so I keep up with fashion trends. And I think that's the best thing a reseller can do is keep up with what's relevant style and trendy, whether that's going to a retail store, like once every six months and checking out like what are the styles and like things that are selling and what brands are selling for more or for less um, and checking websites like Net-A-Porter and Revolve for seeing like new brands or newer brands. Um, I think that's really good advice for newer resellers. But I think when like my decision ma making is based a lot on my experience of what styles sell well for me and what brands sell well for me. And I think a really big tip is to never buy something just because it's a good brand, because something can be a good brand all day long, but if it's a style that nobody wants, it's going to sit forever and ever. Amen. Like, <laughs> I, um, I feel like, no, that's a very valid thing, especially when you first get in, you see a brand and you're like, oh, and you get so excited. And then you're like, well, why is it sitting in my closet forever? And just because it's this nice brand, it's not necessarily something that someone wants. So you have to do like, further research as well and see if it's something that people want. Yes, for sure. Um, so Girly Girl Styles is also saying sell over brand all day. Do you pick up unbranded stuff though? Because I have a hard time with that. I don't. So not part unless it's vintage, then no. I would like I like, okay, going back to what I said earlier, I like picking up vintage things that are like in like trendy vintage stuff. Not so much like your vintage dresses and gowns and whatever, but stuff that I wear. So like, I love vintage denim or vintage denim jackets, or like right now I love picking up like vintage silk or vintage silk blouses. Cause uh, like oversized blouses are super on trend right now. And so I'm picking up vintage stuff that satisfies modern trends. And so like, I'll pick up anything nineties right now is super big. And so like belt, you know, like the plasticky belts with all like the grommets in it, like those sell for like 15, 20 bucks for me all day long or anything Y2K or like stuff like that, that also it's weird to think about that the year 2000 is considered vintage, but that's yes. besides the point. What's um, even weirder is you're asking me if I know these and I'm thinking I wore those. Like I was a nineties and I graduated early 2000s. So like all of what's in right now is what I wore once. So it's easy to pick up those styles. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, I would have totally worn that in high school. <laughs> uh, but for unbranded, like, I find that most unbranded stuff is just like cheap Amazon garbage. And so I'm not, I'm not going to pick that stuff up. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's hard, unless it's vintage. I think it's hard to, cause people aren't searching for that. Right. They're searching, like you can do vintage as the brand. So then they'll search for that. Um, yeah. But you can't search. Yeah. And, and you I can use keywords too, like nineties mm -hmm. or Y2K and people are searching for that as well. Um, so Michelle is asking, do you have tips to follow modern trends? Sometimes I feel like I'm out of touch on style. It's okay. I think a lot of people feel that way. And I think a lot of people feel like it's 
like people are like, I'm not Anna Wintour. How would I know what's in style? And I think the best way, and I touched on this briefly, but the best way to do that is look at websites where that are really popular um, selling stuff right now. That was a horribly formed sentence. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know um, too bad. <laughs> but like but, anthropo like I'll cruise through anthropology. I don't really like selling anthropology so much, but that's like one of the styles where you mentioned revolve as well. And even if you don't pick up that brand, they're the ones that are setting the trends. Yeah. So I would say for like regular accessible fashion for everybody, good sites to look at would be Revolve and Shopbop or even checking out higher end department stores like Nordstrom and Neiman Marcus uh, is a good way to look at like accessible fa accessible fashion trends. And then if you're looking to research more on like what's on the cutting edge of fashion or what's going to come next, I recommend looking at places like the Outnet and uh, uh, Net-A-Porter because those retailers are the retailers that are selling not as popular designers, but more niche designers or designers that are making products um, in startup companies. And those are oftentimes the very, very trendy um, and like high fashion pieces. And so I think those are- Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Do you find that those like, hit the mainstream all the time or as quickly? Do you know what I mean? Like the higher fashion or things that you see on a runway, most of that stuff is not going to actually be in the mainstream, right? Well, okay. I mean, because so, that was wild. <laughs> so when once something is on, it's kind of like the fashion hierarchy and the way that trickle down fashion works, which is the way most mainstream fashion comes about, is that something's on a runway and then a year later, the like influencer class is going to adopt it or like the very uh, like trendy people or the very in touch with fashion people and then from there it'll trickle down to mainstream fashion and then once something starts going out of style it'll trickle down one more time to what is described in the fashion industry as laggards and so people who like this is when it's on sale and people are buying it on sale and then it's irrelevant and so once what Net-A-Porter and websites like that appeal to are people who are in that second like tier down. And this is where like a lot of mid-tier luxury brands find success. So brands like, and have found more success. So brands like Vince and Theory, um, and the, which have been around forever and have found new success in there. And then newer brands that have become really popular over the last couple of years, like Ula Johnson um, and Ghani and Rachel Comey, all kind of occupying that space. And so I think, and those are all brands that came to popularity because of websites like Net-A-Porter, whereas 15 years ago, if they had only been retailed in stores like Neiman Marcus they or Nordstrom, they wouldn't necessarily have become as popular because they were able to reach a broader base of people who are looking to be trendy or cutting edge of fashion. And so I think I think the, they're really good to research styles there because that's what's going to be next. You yeah, can get a head start sense. on what's going to be next. And what to keep an eye out for. That makes sense. Can you see the comments? Yeah, I switched it. Can, just, okay. Can you type in those websites um, just so people know how yeah. to? Well, I don't uh, think I can. I don't think I can add. Um, oh, can you not post a comment? Okay. How do you spell I can't it? Post the comment. It's um, N-E-T-A-P-O-R-T-E-R.
it's a play on words um, from pret-a-porter, okay. which okay. means ready to wear, but it's net-a-porter. Um, okay. If you don't know, I speak French. And so that's Oh, that. wow. I did not know that. You were just like full of all kinds of um, knowledge and surprises. Yeah. So, well, right? yeah, I took French for eight years. And so I better know something. Uh, yes. That's I, mean, right. I did Spanish for like eight years and I don't remember any of it. But that was like 20 years ago. So when you don't use it, right, you yeah. don't. For sure. Do it. Um, that's very helpful information. And I think that's what helps you become a good reseller is you can start looking for the trends and have them in your closet when they hit instead of trying to find them when everyone else is trying to find them as well, too, especially as a reseller. Um, because yeah. then your competition's less if you're looking before everyone knows what to look for, right? For sure. And also, I think it's a really good way to find or kind of at least base it if anything basically familiarize yourself with newer brands or brands because net of day has a trending now section and it'll list the brands that are selling the best for them and you it may be unlikely that you find these things in a thrift store but it's not impossible and i've definitely found brands like that and i think if you can get into selling like smaller niche designer brands they all have a following. There are people who follow them and it's harder to find those things. So then they demand a higher ASP because there's mm -hmm. not much on the resale market. And so I'll just use this example of this pair of shoes that I found at Goodwill about, I don't know, it, it, this was probably about a year ago, but they're a brand called Gray Matters, which was a very obscure designer. And these particular pair of shoes was sold on Net-A-Porter for like $400. And I listed them, brand didn't exist on Poshmark. I listed them for $250, not expecting them to sell. And then in three days, they sold for full price. Um, because yeah. someone was looking, because somebody was looking for this pair of shoes that there was only one other on Poshmark and about five other things from this brand. And so, and they were sold to a guest buyer too, which means that somebody found the listing via Google and then bought them without creating an account, they just bought them through Google. Which means that you know your SEOs and how to take good pictures. So kudos yeah. for you on that because it came up in the search. Um, oh, I was going to say something, but now I don't remember. Oh, so no, I think this is a valid point and it's interesting because it's hard to know what to choose. And it's people are always asking, like, how do I know what to buy? And your point basically was like, follow all of these, but you can't like, you'll look up and see like, okay, what's the sell through rate and what, you know, I'm going to look at comps and there are, there are a lot of these and like, that would have told you not to buy that, right? Because there wasn't any other ones. There probably wasn't a whole lot of comps, but you are ahead of the game. So you made $250 on something that a lot of other people probably passed up, right? Yeah. And this is something I would okay. I'm going to say something controversial right now, but it's fine. <laughs> is that just because something has bad comps doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't buy it. Now, take that with a grain of salt. But what I mean by that is that if something has so say I were to look those shoes up and one person sold them for $38 and there are no other listings and whatever. And somebody was like, and say they were 20 bucks. and Somebody may look at that one $38 sale and say, I shouldn't buy these. But in reality, that was the outlier of the rest of the data that didn't exist. You're a math person. Uh, and so- oh, yeah. You're speaking my words here. And so um, you should- in a broader sense, do research that, do research that if it's a, like I, like I said, I'm a style versus a brand person. And so if something may have sold two years ago when it was out of style for cheap, 
But if it's something that is really in style now, you're going to have a better chance at listing it and selling it for a higher price. I agree. I don't know if I can highlight, I don't think I can yeah, highlight a comment, but with what like Tori just said, I'm the same way for the, a lot of stuff, unless, especially at the bins, excuse me, especially at the bins, I will buy stuff. If it's a style and a brand that I think will sell, I'll buy it and not check comps at the bins and just bring it to my house. And, you know, worse comes to worse, if something's comps aren't that great, I'll either bring it to the consignment shop or I'll just sell it for a lower price because my, my average, um, my average cost of goods is like less than $3 in my for the stuff that I sell because I would say 80% of my inventory comes from maybe that's, that's a stretch. 70% of my inventory comes from the outlet. Yeah. Which allows you to take a little bit more risk. Um, and I think you're not one of the only, and Tori's been reselling Tori. I don't know if you guys follow Tori and know her story, but she worked for Buffalo exchange for a while. So like she also really knows her stuff. And I think, the more people that do this for long periods of times can be like that. You still have to, because you kind of have a sense and you know, and you've been doing this for a while and you can take some of those risks. Um, I, I think if you're new to this, be cautious in doing yes. that all the time because you're going to end I up said, with a lot of stuff. Yeah. That's why but I, I, do, I Yeah. That's why I said, you know, grain of salt, like you have to do, do your research. And I mean, I've been doing this for so long. Like I have an internalized sense of what, Right. what's good and what's not good and so do your research and if you're new to this definitely i'm not saying don't check comps but be aware of be aware of the fact that just because something's comps may look bad doesn't mean that it's actively selling for that price so i have and i wasn't saying anything bad to you i no, just no, no, like new and trying to figure out how to do it um I will say, so I have kind of a rule for me. Um, it's like an 80, 20 rule. So I buy, I buy 80% of things that I know are going to sell for me. I know that do well. I know like my bread and butter, and then I will take a 20% risk and buy, you know, like I went sourcing this weekend and bought 50 items. And so 20% of those are things like, okay, I haven't heard of this brand. Maybe it'll do well. And that's how I continuously learn new brands without just buying a bunch of crap that I don't know is going to sell. So that's kind of my um, rule of thumb because I haven't been doing this. I did upcycle before, which isn't, it's a completely different monster. Um, so I'm still new to the whole reselling game as well. What's your favorite thing that you, your favorite flip in all the time that you've been doing this? What's your favorite flip? So I was probably 16 and I was at the bins and they happened to, so I don't know if it was an accident or intentional, but whatever it was that day, a bunch of stuff. So one of our bins locations is connected to where they do Goodwill's online stuff. Mm -hmm. at the and bin? Like they're in the same building. Oh. Like you, they're, they're they separated, yeah. but they're, they're in the same building, like the e-commerce and the bins. And in, in Minnesota, they do very little clothing or accessories in like e-commerce. They usually only do like, elect, like collectibles and electronics and guitars and cars mm. and pianos and whatnot. But um, they, I don't know if it was, they put it through the wrong door or whatever, but bins were coming out of all stuff that was supposed to go to e-commerce. So and you so, got like, yeah. Well, I got like a $3,000 wall projector for 29 cents because that's what electronics were at the time. Um, and I, we still use that. Like we project movies on the side of our house because 
That's amazing. We have a projector, but that's not, the, I found a new with tags, $3,900 Gucci bag. Um, what? That I, that is amazing. And I probably paid less than $2 for that. I sold for uh, $1,300. Did you want to keep it? No, it was a crocodile purse. I don't know what I was uh, going to do with a crocodile okay. purse. I was imagining um, like a briefcase or something. I don't know. No, no, it was a, it was like, no, I think it was ostrich leather actually, but it was a, like a tote bag and had bamboo handles. It's kind of ugly, but, um, ugly sells too. <laughs> if you're new to reselling, ugly sells too. Um, so you have lots of inventory, I'm assuming. How many active listings do you have and how do you manage it all? Are you, do you live in a college dorm? No, I live in my, the, I live with my parents. I live in the house that I grew up in. Okay. Um, so do you work out of that's their what house? I do and... to, yes. That's okay. what I do to save money. Like I'm perfectly capable of moving out, but I, by living here, I save a bunch of money and I have space to run my business. And so I have, um, the fourth bedroom of our house I have is my office. It's converted into my office. And so that's where I store about 30% of my inventory. And that's where I do all of my shipping. Um, as well as I have most of my like supplies in there. And then I have a photo studio set up um, in a corner, like where I have my studio lights and my rack of unlisted inventory. And then I keep all the rest of my inventory in the basement um, where I have like a built-in, built into the wall, not built-in, but I have like a railing system like a double tiered railing system on the wall where I hang, I hang my inventory up. Um, and everything oh, is, yeah. And everything is sized and um, categorized. Yeah. I hang everything other than my sweaters and my bottoms and my shoes. How many uh, active listings do you have? Oh, that's why I had my phone out. I was going to look. Okay. It's just interesting. Cause most people, once they get to like full-time reselling level, do like bins and stuff. So I'm interested. No, that's I, interesting. I'm stubborn and I love my hanging system because it allows me to look at, like I can look at it and say, that's it. And I can grab it and pull it. I don't have to like move bins. I have all of my sweaters um, in bins as well as my consignment clients. I have all in there are separate bins, but all of my personal stuff that I hang, I hang. I have 803 active listings on Poshmark right now. So you have a lot of hanging stuff. That's interesting. Um, I'm always nervous that, cause my stuff's in our basement, that the basement's gonna flood. <laughs> and so at least if it's in plastic and if it's in a um, container, it's less likely to destroy all of mine. Um, and it's also my workout. Like if I had to pull all those bins, it's my arm workout for the day, right? It counts. Um, we are wrapping up to an hour. So people in the chat have questions as well. I have been checking in, but if anyone has any specific questions for Nick, um, feel free to drop them now. I did want to ask you, um, so if you were to tell yourself, I don't know if a year ago is legit for you. I'm going to go five years ago for you because you've been doing it for so long. Um, if you were to tell yourself five years ago something, like you were go back to yourself in five years, what would you tell yourself to change now or to do differently? Or I would say, uh, well, have more self-confidence, but don't undervalue. Well, five years ago, you were like 14. So I don't think yeah, any 14-year-old okay. has. <laughs> That's but normal. like, don't undervalue your stuff. Um, I, when I started out, I, my first thousand things that I sold in that like first year and a half, two years, I'm sure my average sales price was probably like $8. Like I was, cause I, I was used to up to that point getting consignment or like buy, sell, trade store 
money for things. And so I like I was treating like Poshmark as like the extension of the buy sell trade store stuff. And okay. so I I sold things for super cheap, but also the stuff I was selling wasn't necessarily like well, not even necessarily like it was not on par with what I was selling now. Like I would buy any brand, anything that it was in good condition because I was shopping at the bins at that point. And so I was still making a lot of money selling things for like $10. Cause if you make $7 on something you spend 75 cents on and you're doing and that you, over and over again. When you first get started too, I feel like the thrill of the sale gets you too, right? So you're like, oh, I'm selling all these things. And then you do it for, and you're like, well, but I'm only selling it for $8. And it took me how long to do, you know, once you get going with it, then you're like, okay, maybe like, but that's what, how we learn and grow as well. Um, I think that's, I mean, a great advice. How do you think you got from that point to where you are now? Like, what do you think you've done that's gotten you to be able to pick better things and I, I, I think it's, you know, everybody has personal growth. Everybody has, I mean, I grew as a, of course, I was 14 and 15 years old. Um, and so you, you, I've grown as a person and I've become more, savvy with fashion trends and one of the things that as I grew up I developed a real passion for fashion I'm personally really into fashion for myself and so I think that helped me kind of develop my not only my personal style but my style for the stuff that I sold and also just you gain a lot of experience once you start selling a lot of things and you develop a sense of what sells good for me and what doesn't sell good for me mm -hmm. and so I think all of that stuff in combination kind of just led to me finding more and more success yeah for sure um so that's very uplifting for all of the new people out there you can't know all the things like you have to do it and low learn and grow and if you're like oh that was a terrible buy you learn from that for the next time right like i don't I, someone asked me what do you regret and i'm like nothing i had a terrible buy and that was a terrible picture but now i look at it and i'm like oh now i do it better like you learn and you grow and i think in this business you're always doing that and the trends are changing and brands and um, which is kind of what makes it exciting as well. So we're going to end on social media. I'm going to do a little shameless self-promotion for you, but I want you to tell okay. us a little bit about it as well. Um, so definitely follow Nick on his Instagram and he has a YouTube channel as well. Um, lots of great information on the Instagram and it's just fun to see um, some of his wild pictures, Gucci sandals this week, right? Yeah. Is that you? Yes. Right. I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's just wild. So, um, and lots of good information. And then he also has his story things too. So if you guys want to buy from him, um, but in your Instagram and your social media, I feel like it's kind of just more a little bit of your culture. Cause you are younger. Um, like you just grew up with that, but what, why do you do the social media and what do you want? Like, what do you envision getting out of it? And what do you want to give back to people with doing it? Yeah, so I, I we were kind of chatting about this before we went live, but I I genuinely enjoy my Instagram. I love doing it. I've met one of my best friends in real life, Haley, Haley's Hanger, if anybody follows her. Um, yes, we are actually friends in life. We're not just like fake Instagram friends, but I met her through my Instagram. Um, many of you might follow along with Jack and Ryan on their YouTube channel. Um, they've become my really, really good personal friends from uh, meeting them on Instagram. But at the end of the day, my Instagram is an extension of my business and I treat it that way. And so as I grow my Instagram, I'm growing my business and I'm making more connections with people. And my Instagram has kind of become my personal brand as I've tried to brand myself across all of my platforms. And so people kind of know me as 
for a long time I was, um, I would always like, it would be my age and then, and thrift. And so my original Instagram was 15 and thrift or 16 and thrift. It's, and I changed it until I was 19. And when I turned 19, I kind of said, I'm going to let the, the young person uh, street cred go to some of these other amazing young poshers. Um, but not to say like I was the OG young reseller, but I was kind of the OG young reseller. And so, uh, and so I've kind of grew a brand and a following from that. And so I, once I changed to NCI resale, which is an interesting story of it in of itself that I don't have time to tell right now. Cliff notes version. Uh, when I was 11, I, put up a sign in my office that said NCI Inc or NCI Inc or whatever. Um, and that was like my name for my business that I was making money selling things to buy, sell trade stores. And so when I was looking to figure out what I wanted to make my brand, I kind of went back to that. And so now my business name is NCI Resale LLC. And so I was just kind of, you know, full circle moment, but yeah, my, so my Instagram is just at the end of the day, part of my business that I enjoy doing. And I, hope that other people enjoy following along with and one of my favorite things that i've done started doing in the last you know six or seven months is called haul o'clock where i always do hauls after all of my um thrift trips or whatever um and in my instagram stories i do haul o'clock and people look forward to it all the time they ask me nick when are you doing your next haul o'clock and that gives people an opportunity to buy things before I even get them listed. I always say you can swipe up and I'll send you a PayPal invoice. And those have grown so popular that I'm now doing probably about a quarter of my total sales per week or per month through my Instagram haul o'clocks, depending on how many I do or how often I go. And, and so it's just- And you prefer those on Instagram over YouTube? Cause I, I would imagine they're kind of long, right? So I, cher I mean, just cherry picked. Yeah, it's, oh, okay. I cherry picked the hauls. I mean. If I'm shopping at like a regular Goodwill, I'm not buying so much that I can't do it all in one haul. But if I do a bins haul, I'm only showing the stuff that I got to resell online. Um, and so I'm intentional with what I show, but it's not like I'm leaving out, like, I, it's not, I don't think it's shady. It's just like, I pick what oh, I think people would yeah, like yeah. to see the best. Oh, for sure. And it's label porn. I do that on my hauls too. And they're like, oh, you got all these good things. And half the time I don't even end up getting them. Like if I see something fun out of the thrift store, I take a picture of the label. And then I was like, well, and I end up buying that anyway. So it looks like I got all this good stuff. And I did, but some of the stuff I leave behind. Um, we do have a couple of questions before we sign off. If you have a couple of minutes, um, Les is asking how many listings before you guys got stable sales. Um, I'll let you. I don't think it's, I think it's less about listings, like how many listings and more about what your listings are. Um, I would say do research about brands that are selling and styles that are selling. Cause I think Poshmark provides, if you're talking about Poshmark, particularly Poshmark provides an a platform in which small sellers and big sellers alike can be equal because that's why, that's why sharing is so empath so largely um, emphasized by Poshmark. It's because sharing acts as the algorithm for which people's listings show up when people search for things. And so that gives small sellers and big sellers the equal opportunity to share their listings and have them seen by the eyes of people who are shopping. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And I would 100% agree for Poshmark. Um, you can have, I mean, I was making the same amount of money when I had a 200 
item closet and an 800 item closet because I was spending the same amount of time on Poshmark. Now I have more items, but then I'm also spending time on eBay. Um, but that's the nice thing about Poshmark is if you're sharing and following and doing all of that stuff, you don't have to have a gazillion listings. That's more of like an eBay mindset that the bigger your store is, the more you're going to sell. That's And there's nothing wrong with that, but um, Nick is mainly a Poshmark sellers. So um, you can definitely do it as long as you are sharing your good quality items for sure. Uh, the other question is, what is your bread and butter brands? Um, okay. So like I said before, I'm definitely more of a style seller than a brand seller, but I would say if I had to pick a couple, um, I sell a lot of brands like Madewell and J. Crew. Um, I sell like a lot of Zara. Uh, if I'm, and I'm talking about my modern stuff. I do sell quite a few unique like vintage or pieces I think vintage so I downloaded that like seller dashboard app or whatever and so in my in 2019 historically my second best selling or my top selling like brand category was vintage like the brand vintage in Poshmark and so that's why I sold the most, most that you sell. okay do you have a lot of it too? Like you know the sell through rate? Do you have a lot of it? Or do you I don't because like sometimes if you just have a I have a lot of vintage so I sell a lot of vintage but I don't I'm not Currently, I don't know what my seller through well. rate is, but I would say I probably have a hundred items in my closet that are listed under vintage. Interesting. Um, that I mean, J. Crew and Madewell, I think, is not especially if you get like modern things, are always good bread and butter. One more question: um, What is one important thing you feel your generation is doing in reselling that is a missed opportunity for the generation above you? Great question. Social media. Social media. Social media. One hundred percent. And I think I have an advantage being a Gen Z person is that I grew up in the age of technology. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's an advantage and a disadvantage all in of itself. And, you know, we could get into that. That's a whole nother conversation to have. But I think I am able to navigate, me and other people who are similar, like my age are able to navigate new technology and new platforms easier than mm -hmm. older generations are. Um, and adapt and adapt to new stuff and utilize new stuff and new tools and new technology better. Um, and I think it's just not like social media comes natural mm -hmm. um, to me and to other people who are my age. And I'm not trying to call anybody old, but I'm just no, saying, no, it's true. yeah. It, and even, and it's funny because I mean, I didn't have any social media until I was like 12 or 13 years old. And now I see kid, like seven, six year olds with phones and that freaks me out, but it's whatever. Um, uh, we had MySpace. Do you know what MySpace is? Like Facebook was not a thing. And Facebook now isn't even like the cool thing. I, I know what MySpace is. It ceased to exist long before, yeah, before it was my time. But um, I think you have a valid point because I struggle. I mean, I know social media is definitely important. I don't have, like you say all this lingo and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I didn't. I'm not a consumer. I was never really a social media consumer. So I don't, I have to learn what people are wanting where you just, you were, are a social media consumer. And so now you're like, well, I know what people want because I also consume it. I didn't have a YouTube account until I started a YouTube channel. And so I'm having to learn. I'm like, I don't know how any of this works because I don't even do it personally, let alone because um, we didn't grow up with it. Yeah, for um, sure. And but I think it definitely can help um, your business. It's free marketing. And it's amazing that we live in a world where you don't have to buy an ad in a newspaper like you would have had to do, you know, back 
in my day. Um, so thank you so much. Thanks for going over too. I appreciate it. Um, you can find Nick on NCI Resale on Instagram and YouTube. What was it on YouTube? You can search that on YouTube. What you can search channel? NCI Resale on YouTube and you'll find me. Otherwise, it's my name, Nick Waskowski, W-A-S-K-O-S-K-Y. But, um, but it'll be easier to search NCI underscore resale. All right, perfect. Thanks for joining. And he is almost to 20,000 followers and I am almost at 10,000 followers on Instagram. So when this chat is over, um, head on over there and follow us. If you are not already following, I'm also doing a giveaway. Um, so thank you guys for joining. I'm starting a new series tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. What sold Wednesday. So I will be going live tomorrow with my sales for all of June, but then it'll be every week from there on out. So um, hang with me tomorrow at 430. And thank you so much for joining, Nick. I hope everyone has a great evening. Thank you. And thank you everybody who came.